1: You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Alright, 49ers fans, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast with your host, John Chapman. And let me just say, hopefully you enjoyed that new music, uh, intro music. We got hit with a couple copyright (laughs) claims recently. I I blame it on my childhood. You know, Pink Floyd and Rage Against the Machine are two of my all-time favorites and still are. I've gotten over my bitter upsetness with their record labels. I get it. It's their music. The Rage Against the Machine is a little ironic to hit somebody with a copyright claim, however, when their name is Rage Against the Machine. Having said that, this is going to be one of uh, I'm I'm just I'm excited. I'm really excited. I, I've never talked about a punter on this podcast. You know, we're well over a hundred episodes in. But man, you know, I claimed last episode, I'm not going to get into deep film dive on a punter. I was wrong. So we're going to continue our breakdown of the 2019 NFL draft with fourth round pick Mitch Wisnowski and fifth round pick Drake Greenlaw. But before we get to there, I want to say I, I got exciting news. We have the best giveaway that we have ever done here with the 49ers Rush Podcast, and we have done a lot from signed helmets, jerseys, all kinds of stuff. Our buddies over at Game Day Sports Memorabilia, they gave us an autographed Joe Montana jersey, and it's the classic red one. Stitched letters, all that stuff, autographed with authenticity, and it's free. It's free for you guys. Well over $250 if you go to the site and want to buy it. But uh, it's free here, so all you have to do is very, very simple. You're probably already doing half of them, if you're listening to this podcast, but I wanna give you guys first crack at it. All you have to do is head over to my Twitter account at JL underscore Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N. It is my pinned tweet. You'll see the little alert emojis with the picture of the jersey on there, and it's four easy steps. Number one, follow my Twitter account. You're probably already doing that. Two, retweet the original tweet that All the information is on. Three, subscribe to my YouTube account, which, man, I looked it up today. I have 224 videos on there already, which I I never would have guessed. I don't know. I've been doing this for a few years, and it just accumulates. So I put a lot of great video content on there that just doesn't translate well to the podcast world. So head over there and subscribe to that. If you go to the tweet, it has a link on there for you. And then four, comment on any video on my account with your Twitter handle. Some positive words would be uh, encouraged. So again, follow my Twitter account at JL underscore Chapman. Retweet the original tweet, which is pinned to my profile page. Subscribe to my YouTube account, John Chapman and then comment on any video with your Twitter handle, and you have the opportunity to win a Joe Montana jersey. What I do every time I do a podcast, or giveaway, I put everybody's information that meets all four qualifications on Excel spreadsheet, and my 10-year-old son picks a number. Whichever number that corresponds with that meets those criteria, we, I even cover the shipping. <laughs> you don't pay one penny. You just get a brand new uh, Joe Montana autographed jersey sent to you, whether you want to hang that up, give it away to a gift, whatever. So head over there and do that. Without further ado, let's jump into our two <laughs> draft prospects that we're going to break down. Now, um, you know we've already talked about Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, and Jalen Hurd. And if you want to hear a breakdown, I gave each one of them Their own individual episode. But as we get into the fourth and fifth round, I think it's time to kind of half the podcast to these two gentlemen. And it's very interesting picks, nonetheless. You know, I was in Nashville and I have a video that I posted on Twitter. You know, I'm very, very close to the stage during the fourth round and I'm recording the pick live and all that stuff. And then they get up there and they announce. Punter out of Utah, Mitch Wisnowski. Needless to say, I cussed quite a few times, but that's okay. That's part of fandom is you take the good and you take the bad. Just because you maybe don't agree with something that the front office does, which happens a lot, it's still your team. You're allowed to have your opinion on those things, and I'm not the type of person that is going to say, well, I don't like the pick at all. However, it's my team, so I'm going to support it. Nope. Uh, I started this podcast because I love the 49ers and I love football and I'm going to be honest with how things go. So we're going to break down the trade before um, and how we got this pick. We're going to break down everything you ever wanted to know about a punter, uh, film, stats, all those things. But just understand, this isn't necessarily going to be have my, you know, uh, rose colored glasses on and try to convince you on why Mitch is a great pick. Because I don't think that he was. However, is he going to be our starting punter for a long time? Yeah, I think he is. And so I'm going to tell you the good and bad about his game um, and break all that down. And then after that, we'll get into Dre Greenlaw, who is uh, probably one of the my favorite 49ers already personally. Um, and we'll get into his story and why the media and just – the nation, as football fans in general, should be behind this kid. Love this kid. So, uh, all right. What happened was, you know, right off the bat, we're in the fourth round, and we trade out. We had the pick 104 originally, and once that came up, we traded back. So we traded back six spots with Cincinnati. Cincinnati gave us the number 110 pick, and their sixth rounder, number 183, to jump up uh, for 104. Now, they took their possible quarterback of the future and Ryan Finley, quarterback out of nc state you know their uh, dalton replacement eventually perhaps so i, I love the trade whenever i saw the trade i was like heck yeah this is wonderful we didn't have a fifth round pick and so this got us a little bit more depth but then this gave us three six round picks so it was quite interesting so then we get on the board at 110 and there's a lot of talent left you know we, we talked about leading up to the draft Just how deep of a class this was. And if we just look over some of the major names that were there at positions of need. uh, Amani Hooker, safety at Penn State, was there. Riley Ridley, you know, uh, still there in the fourth round. Uh, Wide receiver out of Georgia. Now, at at this point, we went second and third round at wide receiver. So I didn't want Ridley at this point. But there was a guard present that was still there. Michael Jordan, guard out of Ohio State, had a second round grade on. Deontay Thompson, safety out of Alabama. Uh, He fell big time, but at one point was considered a first-round pick. And then Amani Orouye, I know I said that wrong, cornerback out of Penn State, was there too. So, so many different ways that you could go, and they ended up going punter at 110. Uh, Now, I'm going to jump back and forth between good and bad about this, and you can weigh this for yourself. He's 27 years old, from Australia. Uh, He bounced around a lot. He's had some injuries Um, he played Aussie rules football in Australia, Perth, Australia is where he's from. And he injured his shoulder, uh, so bad that he had to give up the sport. And then he came to the United States, uh, did the junior college thing, transferred all this kind of stuff. And he's 27 years old now. So, um, you know, if you want to talk about Kyle Shanahan mentioned how this is a 10 year player, there's no doubt that punters can punt into their late thirties. But it's not necessarily uh, a normal thing that we see. But we also don't see punters go in the fourth round. So um, anyway, there were only two punters drafted in the entire draft. The Patriots traded up in the fifth to get the second punter, um, which again, fifth round is very, very early as punter as well. And that was Jacob Bailey out of Stanford. You know, if you would have asked me before the draft and said, "Okay, who's the best punter in this draft? I would have said Jacob Bailey. That's just because I watch a lot of college football. Um, I don't break down punters film, but he was also the Ray Ray Guy Award winner for this year as the best punter. Now, then if you would ask me, well, okay, the 49ers are going to take a punter. Who do you think that they're going to take? I'd say, oh, Jacob Bailey's the best punter, and he's from Stanford. Uh, There's no doubt that uh, John Lynch loves to pick players from Stanford. He has done it in every draft he's been a part of with the 49ers. And the fact that we did not take uh, Jacob Bailey was interesting. I do think that the ceiling um, is higher for Wisnowski big time. But anyway, so, you know, uh, Kyle Lynch was asked, man, why did you guys take him in the fourth round? And he laughed and he said, well, if we didn't take him in the fourth round, we weren't going to be able to get him in the sixth round. Because at this point, the 49ers still did not have a fifth round pick. Now, um, after this, uh, that we end up trading um our Dakota Watson and a sixth to jump up into the fifth but at the point whenever we were drafting we didn't have that pick just yet so the idea of waiting till the sixth round just seemed like too much you know the Patriots showed that they gave up a fifth and a seventh round pick to jump up earlier in the fifth to take Jacob Bailey but this was you know over 50 draft spots after (laughs) um 53 picks to be exact after we took Wish so that, that's what the coaches said they're going to call him his wish, so let's just stay with that. Now, so let's get into um, – let's throw aside just the drafting of a punter that early, and let's focus on his game. Who is this kid, okay? six 6'2", two, 218 pounds. He ran a four six three forty, 340. And this is one of those things that just makes him very, very special. He's the third fastest punter ever to go to the combine. Um, take for that what you will. I mean, he's got speed. And whenever you watch his film – Uh, fakes that's a part of his game and it seems like every single thing that Kyle Shanahan does on offense and perhaps defense as well is versatility and try to give it it's the old Napoleonic rule to warfare never do what your enemy wants you to do and so it seems like this is the driving tail loss behind almost everything Shanahan and Lynch do we want to make it to where the opposing team has no damn clue what we're doing and they have to guard against everything on every play and versatility is probably the word that will be defining the Kyle Lynch or Kyle Lynch Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch uh, tenure at least up to this point three years in so very very fast like I said he was an Australian rules football player he had to give it up now he is the only player in NCAA history to be a finalist for the Ray Guy award winner three years in a row that is the best punter and the nation, he won it in 2016. Was a semi finalist in 2017, and again a semi finalist in 2018. Um, he won it uh, two years ago. He lost to Michael Dixon, who was the first punter taken last year by the Seattle Seahawks in the fifth round, and he was an All Pro uh, his rookie year. You know, can we expect that from a guy drafted in 2001 year later and? you know, one round earlier, who knows? You better be getting a Pro Bowl kicker at at least, if not an All-Pro. Michael Dixon is, was unbelievable, and in his very first year gets All-Pro. You know, that kind of says the type of kid that he is. He was a Longhorn. That kid's been doing it for a long time, a big Longhorn fan here. So um, he is a kickoff and punt guy. He can fulfill both duties rather well. Now a uh, couple just weird things about him. he can kick with both feet. Uh, we've seen this on tape where he goes to kick with his right. He's predominantly right footed ki- right footed kicker, but it was an overload blitz to the punter's right side and you can see him shift and get off a rugby style kick with his left foot. Uh, it went close to 40 yards, so the fact that he can kick with both feet is rather interesting. Um, and he does every type of kick out there as a punter. You know, I've coached punters for over five years whenever I was a coach. Um, you know, I did that in deep snappers. And so it's interesting, the different types of things you want to do. Uh, I've, I've worked with the rugby style kicker before. I hate it, but it can be effective. And so he can do that just fine with both feet. He can be a hang time punter where he just boots it straight up. Um, he can do the line drive and he also did a hesitation punt a lot at Utah. You know, um, this is where the the kickers that snaps it to the kicker, and it's basically left in the kickers, almost like a quarterback changing the play at the line of scrimmage. So you'll see him get the ball, and he just freezes and sees if there's a blitz coming or if there's not. If there's not a blitz coming and they set up a return punt, he'll count for like a second and a half, then go into his steps. And the philosophy behind this as, you know, a uh, special teams coach is, we're going to allow our cover guys to get downfield and that prolongs everything for a second and a half. And that way it just completely negates any type of return. Now the flip side to this is he's very smart and he's very football savvy. You can tell that, especially, I mean, he's 27. He's been around it for a while, but he led the entire country and blocked punts with three. Uh, He had the most punts blocked of anybody else in college. And that's a huge red flag Whenever you're talking about taking somebody so big. Now, there are some things with his footwork that could be corrected. You know, every now and then I will see him take a false step. Both the guys I break down today uh, will take false steps, which basically means uh, he's waiting for the ball in his stance with both of his feet under him. And as soon as he catches the ball in his hands, instead of going into his punting motion, he will take his forward foot, lift it up, and put it back behind him and then go into his motion. And, you know, it's a quarter of a second to half a second difference. But when somebody's running at you to block that kick, that quarter, second, half of a second is it's everything. So uh, something that could be corrected, not too big of a deal. Um, Now, with his speed as well, uh, whenever he does the kickoff, like he has onside kicked the ball to himself. And recovered it before. It's pretty funny, you know, where everybody's – you catch them by surprise, the kickoff return team, and he barely just dribbles it straight up. He doesn't kick it to the side, runs 10 yards and falls on it. The kid's fast, and he's a big dude. He kind of looks like um, – I, I, I hate to say this. He looks like an out-of-shape Clay Matthews or maybe like Clay Matthews' little brother. And whenever I say out-of-shape, he's not fat. But he's not like chiseled or looking like he's on steroids. He's got size to him. He's got speed to him. And he runs a few fake punts out there as well. There's one um, against the University of Washington where he runs just – he catches it like he's going to kick it and just sprints straight off the right tackle or right end, the last man on line of scrimmage to get a first down. And he's got a cornerback screaming off the edge. And the cornerback just takes a bad pursuit angle because his speed is so deceiving. You know, 4'6 speed, low 4'6 speed is pretty impressive. As I said, third fastest punter ever to go through the combine. So there's so much here that will cause problems for the defense. So let's get into, real quick, just some uh, stats on what this kid has been able to accomplish. So just on kickoffs alone... He had 65 kickoffs in 2017. He wasn't the full-time kicker in 2018. Uh, He did kick off some, but as far as like a full year's worth of work, out of 65 kickoffs, 44 went for touchbacks. And this is exactly what you want with your kickoff return person in the NFL. You either want a guy that can put some crazy hang time and have it drop down right on the goal line where the returner has to decide to take it out or not and hope he makes a mistake. Or you want a guy that can just boom it through the end zone, and then you don't have to worry about the kickoff unit whatsoever. That's what he brings, because he's going to be the kickoff guy and the punt guy for the 49ers, and he adds that extra little element of, well, he can onside it at any point as well. So that's huge there. Now, the main reason why he was drafted was his punt return average, which is just incredible. So over his three years as the full-time punter for Utah, his punt average... His net return put average, which is if you calculate how far he kicked it plus the return that was brought on. So this is at the end of the punt was 44.6 sophomore year. That's when he won the Ray Guy Award. 43.9 his junior year. He was runner-up. And then this last year, 45.2. So this is a guy who can change field position. And for a struggling defense... This is gigantic. It is a big deal. I I know I've talked very harshly about selecting a punter in the fourth round. I still think it was way too early, but we did it. So let's move past it and realize this kid can be a weapon in hidden yardage. Um, This is something that helps a struggling defense out so much because you have much longer field to work with. And then if we look at what he's been able to do as far as fair catches, okay, on 59 punts this past 2018 year, 25 were fair catches. So right just under 50% aren't even going to be returned. So you throw that big play out of the entire game, and it's a boring play, I get it, and it's going to have a commercial right after it, but this is gigantic because it eliminates the big explosive play for a touchdown. And of those twenty-five fair catches, twenty-four were down inside the twenty, and ten were down inside the ten-yard line. So this is huge. Now, if we want to get crazy technical, just because I'm an insane, um, he has allowed less than one hundred total return yards on his last hundred punts. So you can go back and track all of this. The college stats are there, and so even whenever the guy does get a return the coverage is there a lot of this has to do with the hesitation punt and the rugby punt style but utah didn't lose any games because of special teams return yardage they may have lost one game because of a punt block but that can be corrected you know john Lynch said this is a 10-year guy as we said earlier and kyle you know kyle shanahan came out and said again we didn't trade up we went and got him and maybe they were right maybe they would have had to settle on Uh, Bailey but we got him excited to see this kid out there and if he could save us a roster spot by being the full-time kickoff guy and the full-time punter and then obviously we'll have our own place kicker we don't know who that's going to be yet but that's something to look at so uh, the good the bad and maybe the ugly of of wish so let's move on and round five, pick 10, number 148 overall. The 49ers selected linebacker out of Arkansas, Dre Greenlaw. And I I love this kid much more than I love his play. Let's get in and break down all of this. Before we can even talk about him, another trade, which I did mention before. The 49ers decide to send Dakota Watson and a six-round pick, number 2112, uh, for a fifth-round pick, number 148. So basically, Dakota Watson helped us jump up uh, 64 picks to get Drake Greenlaw, this off-the-ball linebacker, out of Arkansas. Now, John Lynch joked around and said, they asked him, well, you know, why'd you trade up for this guy? A lot of people didn't have him as a fifth-round pick. And John Lynch said, well, the fifth round's been pretty good to us, and it has you can criticize John Lynch for so much, especially in the draft, whether it's Kyle Shanahan John Lynch, it doesn't matter. This front office. But in the fifth round, they've hit some home runs. Uh, Kittle, Kittle's unreal. He's unbelievable. So let's talk a little bit about what he brings to the table, and we'll jump back and forth between personal life and play. So uh, he's five foot eleven, two hundred and thirty-seven pounds. He's undersized for sure and small. Now he was a high school safety, and whenever he converted to college, they tried to add some more weight on him and put him as an in- the box linebacker he didn't run at the combine he had a hamstring issue at his pro day he still wasn't fully healthy and he ran a 473 he said his hamstring was still bothering him but he wanted to make sure he got a time up there but this is this is who he is he does not show faster speed than that to film on to me. Now, um, again, uh, John Lynch said, you know, he ran a 4.7, 3.40, but he plays way faster on film. I didn't see that in all the game film I watched, but he is a strider and he does take up a lot of space whenever he decides to go somewhere. Not a great athlete at really anything. If you look at uh, you know, just what he did at the Combine is pro day, he's right around that 50 percentile for NFL linebackers or below on almost every metric. He doesn't have anything really past 65% on the metrics chart. It's just not who he is. But what he has done is he's played a lot of football. He was a four-year starter at Arkansas and was a freshman All-American in the SEC. Uh, he started day one almost whenever he stepped in, and he went to college at Fayetteville at as well. Um, he was a team captain this last year for Arkansas. They've had a pretty rough tenure while he was there, but and, and this guy's a captain on and off the field. He is a great, great kid. Uh, his freshman year, and as soon as he was, you know, drafted, Twitter uh, gentlemen tweeted out the story about how Drake Greenlaw stopped a guy from possibly sexually abusing his daughter. What had happened? Was he's at a party his freshman year? Probably shouldn't have been there. It was a kegger, and this is why the dad said he waited to put this story public because Dre was 18 years old at a kegger party, college, whatever. Didn't want to get him in trouble. But what happened was there was a girl that he knew that went to the same high school and same college as him. Um, had too much to drink, and somebody slipped something into her drink, and some guys trying to get tried to get her to leave the party um Andre went up and stopped it didn't allow him allow the girl to leave she was inebriated and couldn't control herself and stopped that from happening uh the guy eventually took off running whatever he left the party all this stuff happens again this was a freshman year so you know 3 years later he graduates gets drafted and the dad of that girl Tweeted out, you know, several things just detailing how thankful he is to who this guy is, and he just wanted to say thanks and just to testify to what kind of kid he is. And Dre's been through it all, uh, foster kid from a very early age. And this, this is the world to me. You know, I, I don't share on here very often, but my wife and I are foster and adoptive parents, which is the one reason why I had to get out of coaching. I was just spending too much time at a bed in my office and. The new kids that we brought in, they were going through rough times and they need a lot of time. So the podcasting and film breakdown has allowed me to be home. So, you know, I hear this story and I just, you know, I get excited. Um, the, the story gets much darker. Uh, turns out his biological father tried to murder uh, his mother and him at a very young age. Uh, drugs, all these different things. And Dre ended up in the foster system for six plus years before the defensive coordinator at his high school, Fayetteville High School, Brian Early, adopted him, um, which is just absolutely incredible. And this kid's special. You, you watch any of his interviews, he, you just see him, and it's awesome. Uh, he's just such a great kid. I'm very, very excited for him. So let's jump back into now what he does as a football player. 321 tackles over his four years and only 25 missed tackles. This is probably his best stat. And the fact that a linebacker has that few missed tackles over four years is very, very impressive. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him as the number 12 uh, national player in tackle efficiency across all positions, which is awesome. And, And that's the one thing that this kid does better than everything else. His ceiling as a football player, it's not that high. And Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch both said, look, you know, we had to realize they they were asked why they didn't take more secondary players after the draft. And John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan re- responded by basically saying, look, after the fourth round and our punter, we kept looking at the draft board and we didn't think there were a lot of guys that could make our rosters. And so we just started taking guys that, you know, would have a chance to make our team. And, and that's what they wanted to do. Uh, You know, and so again, the quote from Kyle Shannon everything today after the punter was who has the best chance to make this team. And so they went Dre Greenlaw, who I do think that he will make the team. He's going to be a special team stud, but there's lots of flaws in his game. So only 24 career pressures through four years, only four sacks. Through four years, only three quarterback hits. So he is a guy that's going to play on the defensive side of the ball. He's not a guy that you can scheme and blitz and all that stuff. He is a cleanup tackler. He's going to stay back. He's going to filter through the mess, and he's going to make tackles sideline to sideline. That's just what he does. He's not a highlight player. You you can't find any de violent hits. Not what he does. He is a glue tackler. and What I mean by that is he's a textbook form guy that's going to chest up, head up, wrap up, and then just bring them to the ground. Uh, doesn't really sling people down. He doesn't drive through them. It's just once he gets there, uh, the play's over. And it's it's really a boring tackler, but as a coach, you don't have to worry about anything that he's going to do costing your team as a negative. Uh, turnover-wise, he's had three interceptions in four years, three um, passes defensed or tipped balls, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, and 13 career tackles for loss so that's who he is he's a very vanilla player again I said he was a high school safety and he lacks violence but you can see the athleticism is there whenever he has a clear path to the ball now uh, some major red flags in this game anytime an offensive lineman touches him he's out of the play he's not the type of guy that's going to you know shoulder rip and get past and squeeze through tight spaces not what he does He's the type of guy that's going to pursue, um, let's say he's on the defensive right side and the play flows away to the defensive left side, he's going to take a perfect pursuit angle and make a tackle four to five yards after 45-yard game. That's just what he is. He's not going to blow people up the line scrimmage. He's not putting linebackers on their butt. It's just not what he does. Um, also, out of the stance is abysmal. Probably one of the worst I've ever graded. I don't know how. Um, Arkansas just allows him to take false steps probably 50% of the time. What I mean by that, again, linebackers usually stand with their feet shoulder width apart, very similar to a running back. And uh, you can either do a flat foot read. If a kid is a little slow diagnosing the play, or if you have somebody like Ruben Foster that plays with their you know head on fire, he's going to play a little bit more up on the balls of his feet because he's going forward nonstop. Well, Uh, Drake Greenlaw, his feet are shoulder width flat footed read and as soon as the snap of the ball He'll move his right foot and pick it up and plant it a full yard behind him and then take off It's this extra half a second. That's just a waste And usually with linebackers you want their first couple steps to be read steps And what I mean by that is very similar to cornerback play or safety play You want to keep your feet inside your frame. You don't want these large huge galloping steps because if you're wrong let's say it's play action misdirection anything like that your feet are outside of your frame it's hard to change direction so he'll do a false step and then step way out of his frame and if it is a play action he cannot change direction well at all Uh, very small technique issues that I think will be corrected Uh, our linebackers play very very well probably some of our best coach position uh, on defense so some things that he can correct But, again, um, how do you – let me say this. I watched his highlights, and I didn't like them. Like, if you watch a player's highlights, you should get excited. I usually don't watch highlights, but after four game films, I was like, man, I'm just not seeing what the 49ers saw in this kid. But it goes back to what they said. They coached against him at the Senior Bowl, and he was a guy that flashed. Very coachable, great teammate. And he was a gamer at down, you know, in Alabama. So that's the idea. You know, what he did at the senior bowl, they said, man, it caught our eye. And this was a guy that we really, really liked him. They even said we were much higher on him than when we got him. So they got him in the fifth round. So my guess is they had a third or fourth round grade on him. And they, they've graded out linebackers really, really well, even if you want to get into the whole Reuben Foster thing and all the whatever his Play on the field was legit. So uh, I trust the front office with this pick. There are some major question marks just based on game footage, but what they saw down in Mobile, Alabama, that's their thing. Now he does come with injury history always injury history with anybody the 49ers draft Uh, he broke his foot as a sophomore missed six games then he had another high ankle sprain his senior year Uh, then a hamstring issue at the combine that lingered for another six weeks at his pro day those are all major issues now my comp for him is dat win but less production he's not huge he's an undersized linebacker But he just gets the job done. He's always around the ball, even though he's not the guy that always makes the tackle. He is exceptional at cutting off pursuit angles. And what I mean by that is he always pursues correctly to where the running back or the ball carrier will stop and try to cut, and then a teammate makes a tackle. So a very fundamentally sound player after you get past three yards of the line of scrimmage. So that is going to do it for us today. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the breakdown of Mitch Wisnowski, the punter. I broke down a punter. Uh, I think my mom would be so proud of me right now. And Dre Greenlaw, linebacker out of Arkansas. I am going to do another episode. We still have three more. Caden Smith, Justin School, and Tim Harris to break down. I will do all of those in one future episode. And, again, head over to Twitter at JL underscore Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N, and follow that tweet to make sure that you enter into this free opportunity to win an autographed Joe Montana Jersey. Thanks guys. And we will be back with another episode soon of the 49ers rush podcast.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels.